Welcome back to the Female Founder World Podcast. I'm Jasmine. I am the host of the show and the creator of the Female Founder World Universe. Today I'm chatting with Samantha Brett. She's the founder of a brand called Naked Sundays and we're recording in Sydney today. And she has one of those stories that just give you chills. She wanted to make this SPF makeup product that women or all people would want to wear every single day. And Everyone just told her it was impossible to formulate something like this, but eventually she did figure it out. She remortgaged her house to make it happen. And she thought like a good goal would be to do a hundred thousand dollars or six figures worth of sales in the first year. She actually hit that target in the first four weeks. So we're going to be going through how she made the impossible happen and what her launch marketing strategy was and what really worked. But before we get into the show, if you listen to a recent podcast episode, I think it was maybe two episodes ago with Greta Van Riel. She's a, oh my gosh, I don't even know which business to list first. She's founded multiple e-commerce companies that are that are doing multi-million dollars in revenue. She was one of the original e-commerce entrepreneurs. She also has an influencer marketing agency that runs influencer programs for e-commerce businesses of all sizes. She is an absolute expert. Plus she actually does teach courses and teach people about building e-commerce companies. So she has kind of like distilled all of that knowledge into really great tangible bite-sized takeaways to share with you. And she is offering the Female Found World community a free group business coaching call. It's happening in March. So if you're listening to this late, you can access a recording if you're a paid business bestie member. I'll put a link in the show notes. But otherwise, this is going to be free for you to join live and ask questions or just listen in as other business owners ask Greta to help them with some of the challenges that they're facing right now. Another really great resource that we have built for you at Female Founder World is our retail bootcamp. We're going to hear in this conversation all about how Sam got her first big retail partners and the growth that that drove for the business. To build this program, I've spoken with, yes, all of the founders that you hear on the show, but I've also just spent hours having conversations, really deep conversations about the processes to start and scale up a retail stockist strategy. And we've built an online course that will help you to, first of all, just audit whether your business is ready for wholesale. And that sounds like a boring thing, but we just like can't skip over that. It's really, really, really important. And it'll help you identify what things you need to get in shape now to be successful later, to have all of your I's dotted and T's crossed. And then you're going to personalize and build your own retail plan based on all of this information that we're going to be giving you in the course. You'll be able to identify the mix of mass, indie, and online stockists that will really match not only your business goals, but your capacity to execute right now and a timeline for when you should be pursuing all of these different types of retail stockists. We're going to give you a strategy to turn on your stockist outreach system, including an automated email flow. We're going to give you a database of people to reach out to, 
And we're going to help you turn your brand into a retailer magnet to really build an inbound inquiry system and get some of those mass retailers and indie retailers coming to you. This is such a valuable course. We are going to be closing registrations on the 5th of March. Again, if you're listening to this late, hit the link in the show notes because there will be a wait list to come and join the next session. It's going to be an incredible course. Okay, let's get into the show. You are now entering female founder world with your host, Jasmine Grindsworthy. So Naked Sundays launched back in 2021. Uh, You launched in Australia, but you're going to be coming to the US. So by the time people listen to this, they can actually shop the brand. What is it that you're creating for people who don't know the business? Yes. Firstly, hello. Thanks for having me on. Very excited. I know you've got lots of fans for your podcast. So they were all very excited when I told my little crew. Um, So Naked Sundays started out as a way for people to be able to wear sunscreen in an easy to use kind of cool Um, nice, beautiful packaging, um, millennial style. So back when I launched in 21, it's hard to believe now with the explosion of SBF, but back then there were barely any fun, cool SBF brands, let alone products Mm -hmm. that you could wear under makeup, over makeup, with makeup. Can you imagine a time? Mm. (laughs) So that was only three years ago, but we really were one of the first to market. And so I was a news reporter for Channel 7, which is our main network in Australia, and I would report on Sunrise, which is like the Today Show in the US, and I'd be out in the sun breaking news from 6 in the morning till 6 at night, full face of makeup, and I started to notice a bit of a trend from my colleagues that they were actually having to get skin cancers cut out of their faces mm. or the top of their head. And it, it people come back to the office with these massive um, cuts across their face or their head and stitches everywhere, and I was thinking, what is this? And it was skin cancers. Mm. And so I thought to myself, okay, I need to be reapplying or wearing sunscreen. Am I wearing sunscreen? Does it look good with the makeup and the TV lights? These are all thoughts I'd never had before. And so I started looking in the market to see if there was something that I would be able to use under my makeup that wouldn't throw flashback or white cast over my makeup that wouldn't ruin my makeup and might make me look better and more glossy. And I thought I I would love to create like a rose water type spray that you could spray over your makeup and it would be SPF 50. And so I started going out to manufacturers. They all told me it could never be done. And I just kept going and thought, I know this is, we need this. And I would ask people and they say, oh, I've never heard about a product like mm. this. We do need it. And in Australia, in 21, uh, when I started in 2019, there were zero sprays for the face on the TGA. And so I just saw a huge gap in the market and I continued to push until we finally launched, uh, sold out within two weeks and a brand was born. Amazing. And we're going to talk about that launch marketing in a second, but I just want to like double click on that. Uh, Australia is, I think we're the skin cancer capital of the world. Like our, the sun is just crazy down here and we should be known for our SPF products as well because we create incredible mm. SPF products in Australia. And so I think it's very cool that you're taking this Australian product to the US because as someone who's in the US, like the sunscreen's just not as good. Like I want to come back and buy Australian products and take it over there. Yes, and I think our TGA rules, we have the strictest rules in the world when it comes to sunscreen testing and formulations and ingredients. And so we're definitely trusted Mm -hmm. as sunscreen from Australia, made in Australia, 
with the rest of the world. And as you say, the US sunscreens just kind of don't cut it. And we look at some of their formulations and the um, percentage of actives in the sunscreen. And ours is very high. So we have 22.75% zinc in our main products, in our main mineral products. And I was looking at it, and that's SPF 50 plus. Mm. And I'm looking at it, and it's thick. Zinc is thick. And so to make it not white and to make it blend in with your skin is extremely hard, but we managed to do it. But then I look at a US product and it's thinner and it's um, a bit more glowy. They have 6% zinc. Yes. And you're thinking, and, and, and my formulators and my, my team are thinking, that cannot be SPF 50 yeah. or 30, which they claim. So there's just different rules in Australia. And I think we are very trusted in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So when you launched, you made six figures in sales in just four weeks. How did you do that? That is a dream. <laughs> it was a dream. Um, Yes, it was very unexpected, completely unexpected. I think I wanted to do six figures within the first year. Wow, okay. Oh, and my God. You must have been blown away as those numbers were coming through. I was, yes. I'd never used Shopify before. Mm-hmm. I'd never built a Shopify store. I'd never had an Instagram brand. I had nothing. But I thought, you know, let's launch it on socials. Uh, we sent the products out. My PR and I just hired a PR girl and we sent girl jesse marshall who's the best um and we uh she sent it out to a couple of micro influencers nothing major and some of them posted um early before and we had to actually launch two weeks early because there was a bit of buzz from these girls posting saying i really need this product not i want this product but i need this Mm. and just that buzz and then the press that we started to get we had massive articles marie claire l magazine just the combination of those things just helped the, the brand blow up. It was very unexpected, but I truly believe that it was right time, right product, right market fit. And people talk about that. Mm. How do I make a product that's market, you know, right time, market fit? And there is no formulation to that. And I didn't strategically set out to do that, but I did see a gap in the market and I did see a niche and I did follow it and I did stick to it and I didn't scattergun and do anything else. It was just SPF 50 plus sunscreen that didn't have white cast that could be sprayed over your makeup and it's a, it was a spray the first product that we launched and I just was very laser focused to the gap and people agreed how did you build that buzz on social what were you doing was it you showing up as you were building the business a lot of people are kind of like founder forward now and they're showing the behind the scenes were you showing sneak peeks of the product as you're building for someone who's like now trying to build that pre-launch kind of attention what do you think they should be doing I set up a brand Instagram and obviously anyone can do that and I did start posting sneak peeks and bits of the product and um, the packaging and how to use it and things like that. But it really was the micro influences that moved the needle and then the press. So it really just is about knowing what you were, why you were different and then really pushing on that and making sure the influencers that you send to know, know, and then the press knows about you. I think that launching a consumer product is like one of the hardest things that you can do because you actually have to, and then you just double on that by launching an SPF product, which yeah. is really regulated. <laughs> exactly. Uh, how did you learn how to do this? So I, uh, creating the product, I still don't know. <laughs> but I, I call, I literally Google like sunscreen manufacturers around yep. the world and calling each one. Can you do this? No, yes. Just working it out, getting an in-house formulator, 
calling packaging people, getting samples. I think I listened to, I mean, I read something that you wrote maybe like five years ago mm-hmm. in Pop Sugar. Yes, Yeah, probably. I remember. So you you wrote an article because you had a product. Yes. Yes. And you said that you used um, this uh, woman who had like a group. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I joined every group I could find, you know, about like how to create products and I just read every single thing that I could. But really the piece of the social media um, world, um, I did do this uh, founder course. It's mm-hmm. F-O-U-N-D-R. Mm-hmm. And it um, and it just really taught you how to get followers on Instagram, how to make buzz about your brand. And it's nothing that we don't already know, mm. but it was just done in a really simplistic step-by-step way. Yeah. So that was really helpful for me. And then I followed that. Um, I built a following and I sent it out to the influencers and yeah, I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> no, <laughs> so that's when you not say, true. how did you know? But I think it's that need to know every facet about, like I taught myself how to build a Shopify store. Yeah. I taught myself what, what a meta ad would look like or how to do Google search or, you know, now I'm teaching myself TikTok ads. It's mm-hmm. just, you're never, ever going to know how to do it. You're never going to know. There is no handbook for this stuff. Like there are groups you can join and people you can ask. But at the end of the day, the whole industry is moving and changing so quickly. Even Shopify. There's a new app on Shopify every day that you now need to add to your shop in order to make it work. Mm -hmm. Just to make it work simple. To make it work. Never mind to optimize. And then there's so many things you can optimize. There's so many like email flows that you can send and conversion rates to get better. So like it's just a constant learning yeah. Within eight months, you launched into Mecca, which is uh, for the people in the US, I don't know how to explain this. It's like the original Sephora kind of thing of Australia. We have Sephora now as well, but Mecca is like the holy grail for beauty in this country. And that's the one that the beauty brands want to get into. How did you land that? So after we launched, two weeks after we launched, um, I got in contact with the founder of Mecca, Joe Horgan, mm-hmm. and she had heard about the brand. She'd read about Joe, the brand. Joe, come on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> She'd seen the brand, thankfully, because of our press and our influences. And I guess there was a gap for Mecca as well because we yes. put plug that hole of the gap in the whole market that obviously Mecca saw something in us. You know, Joe was so supportive in taking on an Australian brand. There's not that many Australian brands that get into Mecca. And, yeah, we've just been so grateful for that partnership since then. We launched in October of that year. We sold out of our two hero SKUs, so our mist and our mineral that I was telling you about with the 22.75% zinc in 24 hours. Wow. The team were frantic because they ordered, you know, they have a forecast and the forecast they call me, all right, we're 7Xing our forecast. Wow. Get more stock. And it was just me back then. Oh on my, my God. Yeah. So I didn't have a team. I had no one really. Zero people. I think my customer service person, Yulia, had, Are you okay? Had started. I think I would have a mental <laughs> breakdown if Mecca was calling I me know. saying we need to 7 our order. So I had my customer service person, Yulia, who's turned into now our, our head of marketing. And yep. She's amazing. But back then it was really just me and Yules was helping me out with customer wow. service. And yeah, I completely didn't know what to do. But, you know, you make it work and you do what you got to do. And we were able to expand the range. I think we launched with three products and now we have... I don't know, 35 products maybe. Um, So it was – look, Mecca is amazing to deal with. It's not like I was in a retailer that didn't support up-and-coming brands. They did support and they Mm -hmm. still do to this day. We just Mm -hmm. did an amazing pop-up with them on the weekend at a shopping centre. I saw this. Yes. So they're so supportive in the sense that I think – 
they just knew I was on my own and they just supported whatever happened next. Okay, so this is also very expensive to do, to go into retail and to that kind of quantity. How did you fund the business in the beginning? So at the beginning, my husband and I put our money in from our mortgage and yes, we just, we took some money out and we just said, all right, let's either we... Um, we don't sell anything and then we still have full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. I was still in a full-time job or we sell out completely and we're screwed because <laughs> we have no more money and no more stock. Anyway, we sold out completely so we were completely screwed. So I, I got um, – I gave away a small piece of equity for a very small – no, a big piece of equity for a very right. small loan, which I don't advise lessons, you lessons. do. Lessons, but um, we've since bought that back, which is great. So that's what happened. And it was a very small amount of money, but it helped us to get to the next milestone, which was launching into retail. Mm -hmm. As you say, retail is expensive, but not only that, uh, minimum quantity orders for sunscreens made in Australia are very high. And I remember when I launched, I said to my husband, all right, I want to launch with four SKUs. And he did the budget and I said, all right, cut it down to two, (laughs) just cut it down. So we launched with two, but then... I very quickly already had my ideas for the next product. Yeah, I think you're someone who's done such a good job of uh, not only, you know, the branding and the marketing and the content. I think you have nearly half a million followers on Instagram now, which is amazing. But also the actual formulas and the products that you've created, I think that's what's driving a lot of your growth, right? Like you've actually created a thing that people not only just look at and they think, oh, it's cool, it's beautiful, I want it, but it's actually something that functionally they need in their day-to-day, which in the beauty category can be like difficult to do. I think Mm. you've done that so well. Thank you. Yeah. When did you – you mentioned before that you were um, working a full-time job for a while. When did you actually leave the full-time job to work on the business? So Mecca called me like a week before they were launching and said, we're going to put you on our website. And I knew I'd be fired if anyone saw me on a website (laughs) doing my own thing. So I quit just before we launched into Mecca. It was hard. It was difficult. Yes. I mean, you've got to – I feel like at some point you've just got to like rip off that Band-Aid. And like if you're funding it yourself, you're all in, you know. Yes. Like this has got to work. So you've got to make it happen okay and then when did you when did you start building the team what does the team look like now so I started building the team pretty much after the Mecca success mm-hmm. and uh, I, I started very small I had a social media person a customer service person uh, the same person mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I got a general manager a year ago or maybe a year that's and a half big, ago that's a pretty big hire that was a big hire it took yeah. me about eight months to yes. get that interviewed a lot of people Mm. did a lot of trials I really didn't didn't want to do one I didn't want to get one until I really needed one and then he since has got in his team now logistics and packaging and product head of product and then I have a uh, US uh, rep that helps me with my US launches and then we just contract out the rest so um you know pr or um mm-hmm. like website or any anything that we need we just contract out yeah i say Keep this the all the small. time totally i say this all the time on the show it's like freelancers and consultants and agencies make the and you mentioned your publicist before when did you bring pr into the jesse started at the beginning yeah first person i called i'm like jesse i'm doing this brand she goes you'll have another idea next week and i said please god <laughs> no because i've just put in all my savings so she's like all right well if you're going to take it seriously i'll take it seriously and let's do this and, and let's, she's still with me yeah. yeah let's talk about pr a little bit more so you said that that really helped the business in the beginning you're obviously still working with jesse because i've been emailing her she's <laughs> awesome i'm curious about it because a lot of people in our community they want to do PR they love the idea of getting these big press hits but not everyone gets it and then sometimes they kind of get this coverage but it doesn't lead 
to sales. Mm. And I am curious about how it fits into the business now. Is that how big retailers are sometimes finding you or is it actually leading to direct sales? Like, can you see it on the website when you get some press coverage? You know, when I do get press coverage and I do look at where the hits came from for the day, that will often be up at the top, but only for the day that it comes up. So it's not like a long-term, long-lasting strategy. It's it's a bit of a hit here and there, but it builds brand credibility. So whether the retailer saw it or not, at least I can put it into a presentation and say, I've been featured in Vogue and Elle and Marie Claire and I can put it into my presentation yeah. and they can see that and it's definitely validation for the brand. I We always go to press when we have new products but we've started culling down the press list back in the day. I'm showing my age but I'm from magazines. Are you from magazines? I was very early in digital. I was at digital. Pop Sugar when okay. we were not even getting invited to shows at Fashion Week yet when I was fashion editor there. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I was I was – New Woman, like Vogue. Yeah. Like I was early, early magazine, magazine time, like print. There mm-hmm. were no websites for the magazines. Mm-hmm. Vogue, yeah, I remember when Vogue.com was literally like the corporate website. Oh yeah. God. Yes, that's my time. That's my time. And so I used to work at magazines. I'm a journalist. But point being is that there were a lot of magazine editors. And um, and so when I first started my brand, uh, Naked Sundays, we would send out to 50 or so editors and maybe 20 influencers. Mm-hmm. And that has now then, you know, went down to like 50. Now it's about, we sent to like 10 editors and then 200 influencers. It's just the landscape has changed so much now. And I heard someone else uh, from another brand talking the other day and they said, usually at events, it would just be an editor event and then an influencer event and now they've joined them together because there's just not enough editors to invite to events yes. and it's all influencers. Yes, that's so interesting. Yes. Really interesting. And then I think we're also moving into this new era as well where it's not just influencers, they're often um, people that actually have are famous for doing something like they're experts or they're they're not just like career content creators that are getting the most attention online so I'm going to a lot of these events now and I'm there with someone who is a like quite famous author and I'm there with like entrepreneurs and they're the people that are actually resonating online and people are seeding so it's interesting to like see that shift as well I feel like that's like the next that's positive Mm -hmm. that's a good thing I think so too because I said to someone the other day one of the biggest influencers in the world is posting us this week and they said oh what does what does she do and I yeah. Was struggling I said I think she posts on TikTok yeah content creator C- <laughs> yeah, career content, content creator. creator yeah no shame in that I'm just you know it's just it's interesting, interesting to us who come from you know journalism strong like yes. backgrounds and then now it's just a shift to content creator yeah it's like it's your skill as an entertainer which you've done well at you you're you're both you know you're all of it you you have your career you have your product and yeah. now you and now you have your content as well yeah i um it's just, it's something that i struggle with i'm actually like curious your thoughts about this as i started the female found world community because i wanted to stay in this kind of content creation editorial space but I didn't want to it all. I didn't want it to be about me, and so I didn't want to be creating content about me and my life mm. and that to be what I was doing. And so it needed to be around another topic and like build the business around that. But now I feel like I'm showing up more and more as the face of it because that's how people are building media businesses. You need or any business, you have mm. to kind of like tie a face to it. Is that something that you found that you need to be showing up on? TikTok or social or press as the as the face of the brand? No. <laughs> mm, tell <laughs> me. me how. But look, I think if I did 
would have moved there. Look, I was on the news for 15 years. Yeah. Every day. You know, my husband says, oh, we're very internal people. We're quiet people. We don't talk about our, you know, mm-hmm. achievements. I said, dude, I was on the news for 15 yes. years. I'm external. Like, yes. I am external. So my team are constantly saying to me, we need to, you need to be the face. But I didn't tell you this, but uh, for the first nine months before we launched into Mac, I didn't tell anyone that I was the founder. Lizzie Wally from Sunday Body did the same, same thing. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing. And I just, yeah. So Why? I, um, well, firstly, I was a news reporter. And secondly, sunscreen is such, as you say, a reg- regulated industry. And I just didn't want people to not take it seriously. Mm. You can't create a sunscreen unless it's TGA, FDA, tested, protocols, yes. this and that. And I didn't want people to think it was like an influencer brand. Even though I wasn't an influencer, I was still a, no- a well-known entity in Australia. Yeah. And I didn't want people to associate me. It's not my – it wasn't my brand. It was like the people's brand. Mm. And so I let the influencers speak to the brand and I loved that. So then when I, fa- I came out as the founder, I kept that mentality of I'm not the brand. I'm not the face, the brand. And the brand has been able to stand on its own two feet the whole time which I love. And so the brand doesn't need me to post about it or talk about it or be the face at all. And that's how I've built the brand. Now, I'm not saying there's a right or wrong answer here. On Black Friday, I did do a couple of uh, videos of me in in the warehouse talking about the brand and the sale. And those are obviously, well, I wouldn't say obvious, but wasn't obvious to me and it might not be obvious to people listening, but those were the ads that were the most, moved the needle the most. Yeah. So... Maybe I should do more. I think you should do it. I think you should do it. I know it's so uncomfortable, but people like would love your story. It's so interesting how you've done this. And Thank you. I think that um, people are just, well, they want to support, they would love your story and they would want to support you even mm. more. I just think people buy into this small business story. and We'll see. I'm an internal person. (laughs) And it's like your, it's so funny because it's like, it's actually your, the storytelling is your actual superpower. Like that's something that you've done your whole career, but I get it. Then it's also taking time away from other parts of the business, right? So how many hours do you have in a day? Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, we'll get there. We'll see. Um, So to people listening, I think uh, I just actually met with the girl this morning. We had a round table uh, with the Meta commu- with at Meta's offices actually, and one of the girls from fashion was saying that she is the face. She goes in her undies and tries on all the clothes, mm. and that's the stuff that moves the needle most for her. And so I, I definitely think for the people listening, it's definitely definitely a strategy that can work. However. If you're like me and you just have no interest in it, you don't need to – because the worst thing is that you sit there stressing, thinking, I have to be on camera, and then you come across awkward and inauthentic. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. I've never done it. I'm not going to do it anytime soon. It doesn't matter. You'll still be fine. (laughs) I interviewed the founder of uh, 35mm Code the other day, and uh, she – is she has her own TikTok account, but and she sometimes talks about um, business and what she's doing. But she has hired a content creator who is the face of the brand on TikTok, and that person uh, is the the one that people like connect with when they think of the brand. People come up to her on the street and ask that's her about cool. her camera business, which is quite funny. Um, and so I think that's another way around it as well. If you're thinking like, okay, but I do want some kind of face or for people to connect with it in that way. You can hire someone for that. Agreed. Mm, yes. 100%. Okay, so you made over seven figures in the first year of the business. And I'm always curious when I see 
numbers like this about how somebody like up levels as the business mm. up levels because I do think that companies can't grow faster than the founder can grow a lot of the time and I am curious about were you learning on the job were you bringing in other resources was there any formal coaching or training that you were doing how did you grow with the business <laughs> you're taking me back to the first year <laughs> Oh my, and it's only been three years, but also, I feel so that's, old. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that's Anyway, not that long back ago. to the first year when we grew from, yeah. Um, I skill up every day. Yeah. Every day I'm looking at what's changing in the market. How do I learn more things? How can I be better at uh, designing my Shopify website? Yeah. How can I be better at Clavio Flows? How can I be better? Like all the things that I'm already doing, I'm just like, how can I be better reading everything I can find? But I think how we actually just scaled was through more products just launching product after product. And I remember we launched in January. I didn't have a new product till June. It was painful. Then we launched that mineral that I told you about that's like beyond the bestseller. Um, and I was like crack. Everyone's like people are addicted to it. Mecca can't keep it in stock. And no one bought it. Mm. Interestingly, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, okay, A, we launched in the middle of winter. B, we launched just before the Australian end of financial year. Mm. <laughs> you know, all, all the things went wrong. But, and I remember thinking, okay, so maybe it's not new product, but come a bit more warmer weather in Australia and that product just completely skyrocketed and turn off, turn, took off and it's now our bestseller by far. Interesting. And then like later in the year, I launched a body mist and then I launched lip oils and, you know, I always made sure that we were very innovative. Like we did the world's first SPF 50 lip oils. So I just wow. made sure that even if the things that we were launching weren't moving the needle per se, they were still elevating the brand and cementing our position as the world's authority at uh, SPF and innovation. And, and to be able to... Um, continually do that with new products I felt was more important than adding people on the team than like doing anything else it was expanding our range and offering more products that's such an interesting approach to take one of your products had an 80,000 person wait list or something before it launched yeah how how do you do that I know well we have a very engaged uh customer base now because you know the mineral like I'm talking about I think I've brought one for you. Um, Amazing. Love that. <laughs> Have you tried it? No. I'd love to try okay. it though. So, um, so people wear that every day. They reapply it. They, they give it to their kids. They go through these tubes constantly and – same with our mist. People have one in their handbag, one in their car, like one in their office. And so if they're walking outside, they can just quickly spray their shoulders or whatever it is and or spray their kids when their mm-hmm. kids are playing sport. And so I think the customer base is so engaged. We're like, what's next? You know? And so we have hundreds of thousands of customers and I'm like, all right, who wants this new product? And they all like flock to it. So we launched our Cabana Glow range in August. I have not seen a sellout since we first launched our mist in 2021. This is now 2023. Sold out in 24 hours wow. worldwide. It wow. was, and and we've struggled to keep it back in stock since then. Um, and we've sold out six times now. Wow. And we've just launched in the US. We had like Michaela and Bethany Frankel post about it just just organically. But they just found it and bought it and used it. No, I think. Um, I think we must have sent to yep, them, yep, yep. but they've we sent to them the last three years. They've yep. never posted anything. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> and this product is the one that has really switched the uh, mindset of, I guess, huge celebrities, content creators mm. or retailers or anyone that we've ever tried to kind of impress. 
to, wow, this is a brand that we need to take seriously. Wow. Yeah, so they both posted organically uh, about the product, which was amazing. So the product is three SPF 50 mineral serums, so very very thin serums, and one is illuminating pigments, one is pearl, one is bronze, and it's the world's first bronzing drops with SPF 50. Mm. So we're the first to market... um, and the aim is you can't mix you can't mix you shouldn't mix your bronzing drops into your sunscreen. Yeah. You shouldn't mix your sunscreen into your moisturizer. Yep. So we made three shades so you can mix and match the three shades and get your perfect shade. Wow. Yeah. How do you come up with the ideas for new products? So that one I have no idea because I said to the team the other day, I was like, who thought of this? No, seriously, it's like you come up with one great idea, I feel like, and that's like, <laughs> like career defining. Yeah. But you have so many amazing this is, products. This is like off the charts mm. of I I don't you you've heard me I don't say anything about our brand it's hard work I head down like yeah. you don't see me pop my head up a lot yeah. about the brand but with this product I'm so proud that we created something that has just taken off and has been world first and innovative and has taken the market in the way that it has I don't I can't remember exact how how who came up with it or mm. how we did it but we made it from scratch our in-house formulator made it from scratch we we it's impossible to it's zinc mineral mm. minerals white imagine putting in bronze into yeah. a white mineral sunscreen it goes gray and you know so like just playing around with the colors and getting enough pigments so that it works and people are like you know I use my other bronzing drops from other brands and these with these are with SPF wow and yes these are even better and it's you know when people say stuff like that it's like I created this you know yeah, like I, I don't know how it happened but I'm happy. <laughs> is the goal to eventually just like replace everyone's entire beauty routine Correct. with SPF? Yes, yeah. the whole face. Yes. Yeah. So I'm yet to discover how to do mascara. <laughs> or even if your eyelashes need sunscreen, I don't know yet. I mean, maybe like shades the eyes. <laughs> Who knows? But yes, the innovation and just having people wear a full face of SPF is my dream. Yeah, amazing. Full face of Naked Sundays SPF. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's caveat that. Yeah. Okay, this has been such an incredible conversation. The last thing I want to ask you is for a resource recommendation. If there's anything specific that you think people should go and check out if they want to achieve the kind of thing that you guys are at Naked Sundays. Hmm. I mean, okay. I think there's different resources for where you are in your business, Mm -hmm. but for when you're just starting out, a lot of people come to me like, do I use MailChimp? Do I use Club? Like, what do mm-hmm. I do for my email flows? Yep. Do I need someone to create the flows? Do what? Do, how do, do I need a designer? So I think what's really important is um, just making sure that your tech uh, is where it needs to be. And I think we've got Shopify Plus. So just yep. getting on the maximum Shopify that you can so that you've got all the bells and whistles. Um, you know, setting up your Afterpay, your PayPal. Like you've got to think about all these things. Setting up your shop payments setting up your Clavio, getting someone in. I just got a text today saying, do I hire someone to do my Clavio flows or can we just send our emails mm. ourselves? I was like, get the person in. Yeah. Get your email flows done. Just and, and it doesn't really matter who, you know, it's not like it's an easy job, but if you've never done it, you just need to get them set up right. You yeah. need a designer. My designer, who's full-time, but a contractor, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. uh, is my life. Yeah. So, we're doing the Clavio flows. She needs to design something. We're doing a Shopify site. We need a banner. So yeah. Just make sure that your designer is very strong. And then there's just so much that goes on when you expand. Like 
especially that we've got three countries now, uh, US, UK and Australia. So we use Asana, which just assigns all our, we have all our staff members, we have everyone in there and they just have their list of things that they have to do every day. We use Planoli to plan out all our Instagram posts mm-hmm. and that can automatically post us. Do you use Planoli? No, I haven't, but what I probably use? should. Lots of people recommend it. We don't use any visual planner. We just have our editorial calendars all in Trello and we use Slack for um, like comms and yeah. sharing links and when okay. things are ready. Yeah. So I love Planoli. That's like saved our mm-hmm. life. So we just have all our Instagram posts in there. We have like four weeks planned out. Amazing. Um, and then we just have a really robust content strategy, yeah. which everyone struggles with in, my, in our industry of having yeah. products. So we have a, a few pillars. We have professional photography, professional video, UCG content and our own content. Um, yeah. And... We just try and get as much content as we can. I mean, that's what it's all about. Got to get that content out. Sam, thank you so much for coming on the Female Founder World podcast and congratulations on everything you've built. It's so impressive. Thank you for having me. Quick shout out to all of our business Bestie subscribers. If you are loving this show and you are building a consumer, CPG or e-commerce business, or you're about to build one, this membership will give you access to the people, experiences and the tools that you really need to build your dream business. Head to femalefounderworld.com forward slash subscriber for more.